New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode 515. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and great to be with Bill Bennett today. How are you, Bill? Uh, good, Paul. Thanks for uh, coming by the studio again. Uh, it's it's another day with some interesting topics to delve into, and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to uh, some of your thoughts and uh, and analysis. Um, for those who don't know you, maybe you can just uh, you know, remind us where you fit into this big wild world of tech and well, journalism. I've, I've been writing about technology and business for 40 years. <laughs> it's been a long time. I've been doing it in New Zealand for more than 32 years of that, so a, a long, long time. I still do. I still do some of this, uh, some radio, a little bit of TV occasionally, um, newspaper work, magazines and so on. Um, and I have my own website, um, which is been a bit quiet lately for one reason or another but is generally speaking when I'm not busy it, it fires up again and it's about to fire up again I think yeah oh well great to uh, great to catch up now wanted to delve into a few topics today we want to look at what's happening in in uh, China from a, a technology perspective there's obviously been a you know a fair bit of conflict between well not just the US and China but you know US uh, I think if you look at what's going on you know po- politically India and Australia and and, and other nations that are uh, I mean there's there's you know very military exercises and alliances and all sorts of Things going on there, this but tension. There's, yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely things going on. So I want to delve into that today. I want to talk about um, a report that, that's uh, or some news that, that's that's come out of uh, the Financial uh, Times. A little bit more detail on what people are, uh, had been uh, predicting, I, I guess, on uh, uh, an announcement from Apple. We're expecting. Uh, around in, a, in about a week's uh, time. Also, this new uh, skin skinless robot uh, <laughs> that apparently can uh, stare directly into your soul is the way the way that's written. So I'm 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 kind of curious to hear your thoughts when we get uh, we 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 get to that one. Um, it it does it does look uh, somewhat somewhat scary, but um, the the company behind it isn't the sort of company we would expect such scary things from. So that will be interesting. We've got uh, Sony and Microsoft about to go head to head with their new uh, console releases. Yep. So uh, big launches. That, this year. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's quite a big deal. You know, it's a, it's it's really been a you know long time since we've we've had any sort of launch of this sort of uh, scale. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about broadband and then um, maybe a, a little bit of chance to, to chat about hands-on with, with some, uh, some new, new devices. So we'll see how we go on time. But um, f- first, first up, this uh, news that's come through from the Financial uh, Times around uh, Apple's uh, manoeuvres is is an interesting uh, one. We've, we've known this is coming, that Apple are getting set to 
start releasing and 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 what we hear now is it's initially going to be uh, I think uh, two MacBooks a 13 inch MacBook Air uh, and new 13 and 16 inch MacBook Pros that instead of having an Intel chip inside them are going to have a, an Apple chip based on the ARM technology that, that they license and this is, if it's anything like their last transition, which was about 15 years ago, where they transitioned uh, to Intel's technology, and I'm I'm not yet convinced that it's going to be quite the same, where they just stopped with the old chips and and you know went entirely to the new chips. But it is quite possible that they do that. But my feeling is that might take a a bit longer to get to that point. They're talking about two-year transition, I think. Well, yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll have yeah. to see how that uh, how that that plays out. But uh, yeah, two, um, well, three, well, effectively three three new MacBooks, and by being based on uh, the, the ARM technology that uh, that Apple uses, that of course is the same that sits in the iPhone, in the iPads, yeah. and and you know var- varying other watch, yeah. uh, devices yeah. such as the uh, uh, the watch. And so in terms of bringing phone and tablet apps onto uh, their, the, the MacBooks, the that makes that a, a whole lot yeah. uh, simpler. Yeah. Um, but here's a question, Bill. Are they going to go as far as turning the Mac into a touchscreen device, or is that one step too far? Because they've said no to that in the past, yeah. but they've also said no to varying other things, and as time goes on, that story changes. That would be a surprise if that happens in next week's event. It would be, Ten. wouldn't it? Yeah, that, that would be a surprise. Um, I really don't know. I can't answer that, because it's you, you'd need to be... You need to have magic to be able to answer that. And or, and, or and, and there's certainly been there's certainly been no no rumours suggesting that no. they're about to do it. But it's it's one of those things. I was talking to somebody uh, today around the just Mac versus Windows. They've used both you know both platforms, and they said, "Oh look, once I got used to a touch screen on Windows." I actually could, you know, couldn't go away from it, and it's, and you know, I guess if you're, I mean, you use an iPad uh, Pro, so the touch yeah. screen is just an integral part of of that experience. And I do, right? do that. I, I, yeah. I use, I've got a, a MacBook, I've got a desktop Mac, and I've got an iPad, mm. and um, at the moment I'm just using, just working with the iPad and the desktop Mac. Um, but when I got the MacBook out again, I did find myself touching the screen. Yeah, you're quite yeah, right, yeah. and um, it was a sort of it seemed the most natural thing to do. But I, I, I think that I th- the big thing for me about what's going on with Apple is is if I think back about six or seven years ago when I got just I just got fed up with Windows 8. It was just be- it was just becoming a real productivity killer compared with seven, and I, I flipped back to seven for a bit, and um, my productivity went up, and I just and, and then Apple came along with a new MacBook Air with the they got their hands on some early Intel silicon, and they got and it was it was one that had I think I can't remember the details, but it was like. 12 or 18 hours battery life and it was more powerful and yada 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 and I went out and bought one of these and it changed my life it really did change my life that I could go an entire day um, away from home without needing a charger I could go on a trip across you know to 
I, you wouldn't get to London, but you could get to Singapore on a plane without yeah, needing a yeah, charger. Yeah. And it, it was it was life changing. And it, the the MacBook Airs are relatively underpowered um, laptops, you know, compared with what you can buy. But I don't need that for the work I do is surfing and uh, and writing and so on. I, I'm you know I'm not, I wasn't doing musical video production on the MacBook Air. I was it was um, just a, 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 a simple tool. It was it was life changing and the productivity my productivity shot up and I just got this feeling that they're about to drop something similar in terms of performance upgrade with the new chips. Um, there's some talk that they could be 20% more powerful than equivalent um, Intel chips, but with you know much lower power drain. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, from a battery perspective, yeah. the, the ARM-based chips are so efficient, and Apple have been doing a yeah. great job at increasing the performance of you know, each gener- each generation. So you could be looking at 24 hours between charges, mm. or, or that kind of number, and um, and as I say. 20% more powerful, which is about what we need, you know, for, for today's work. So I, I think we're about to see a step change like that, but I think it's not going to be an easy transition. No, I think the transition yeah. is the is is the thing to remember, isn't it? You yeah. can't, you're not going to be able to, by most accounts, just you know go and jump to one of these, you know, um, um, Apple-based uh, MacBooks and wow. expect to get the full performance on apps that weren't designed to run on the uh, on the new well, uh, tech, I, but they've got some good partnerships, right? And you can yeah. imagine that probably the key things they need to run, getting their browser, well, they provide their own yeah. own, own browser uh, out of the box. That That's covered. What do you need to do in terms of productivity? Well, it's either going to be browser-based or Microsoft Office, you know, based in most cases. I imagine that Microsoft will be will be ready to go or very close uh, with, well, with, with the software, got, right? Microsoft's got a pretty damn good Office suite running on iOS. Yeah, that's iPadOS, right. Yeah. And then uh, Adobe would be, would be the oh. next most important one for Apple. And again, a very close relationship there. And in fact, we, you know, we've already seen, uh, you know, Photoshop land on uh, on the iPad, and you know a, I'm a, a chunk give of wood. You the flip argument, right? Okay. Um, I talked just now enthusiastically about how my life changed for the better when I switched from Windows to yeah. Mac at that stage. Yeah. Right. And in hindsight, it was the right thing to do. What I didn't tell you is when I flipped from Apple the first time to Windows was when they switched from PowerPC to Intel. Okay. Because that transition was. Difficult, yes, and it was. Uh, it wasn't botched. It really wasn't botched. It was just a hard transition, and it looked at that time like you're thinking, well, these new these new uh, MacBooks at the time, they were Windows computers. I mean, you you could you could go out and buy Parallels or um, or I forget the name of the other thing, but you know you could run a virtual copy of Windows on, on them, and it, it looked to me at the time, well, you know, in effect, we're getting a Windows laptop that's running a different OS. You know, it's the yeah. same, and and you could run Windows if you wanted yeah, to, and you could run Windows. Machine. And I thought, what well, yeah. I thought, well, hang on, I can run Windows if I want to, but 
perhaps I just want to run Windows. And, yeah. I, and that's exactly what happened to me at that point. Right, right. And, um, and at that point, they weren't, you know, the, Apple didn't, Apple's Macs weren't that brilliant at that stage. They, they, they were, they were good, but they weren't, there was nothing special about them, nothing better about them in, in that sense. So I think that Apple faces the difficulty with that transition. But the flip side of that argument is, is if they really do have, you know, 50% more power than, um, than Intel processors, 20, 25% more processing, what's going to happen to people that make laptops that don't have these chips, you know, that, that are sticking with Intel, that the people that are stuck with their um, Intel relationships mm-hmm. could could drop terrifically behind the the market. That that's that's another possibility that mm-hmm. you know we could see in the next year or so. Now the other aspects here are what hap- what happens to Intel, and yeah, you know, Intel. Realistically, they've been they've been struggling now for yeah. you know for a number of years on a on a on a whole lot of fronts, uh, and then what do we see in Microsoft's world where, of course, they have tried on you know quite a number of occasions to really bring in the the ARM type architecture and to make it an an important piece of their their ecosystem now the the last um and they've just refreshed the uh, the surface pro uh, you know, x uh, product which, which runs runs that technology and they've you know boosted it performance wise and it's really really nice except they're still trying to join up all the compatibility dots. Yeah. Now, we know there's a new build of uh, Windows that will allow them to run the yeah, basically the, the a much broader set of Windows applications because they're pulling through the 64-bit compatibility uh, that they didn't have have in the past, which, which basically means you know, certain apps that uh, yeah. that just wouldn't wouldn't run. Well, but think, think back to the very first surfaces, which where they had there was the Intel Surface, which yeah. was like a, a Windows version, and then there was this. Weird. The Surface RT. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. that was really that was really part of the reason why um, Windows 8 was a problem was because you, I mean I had I had five different mail apps on <laughs> you know, uh, uh, on on Windows at that time because it was just it was just bizarre the the and flipping between the two worlds within yeah. the, the yeah they were, they were tr- Microsoft were trying to. Uh, yeah, basically, as you say, bring together the world of the laptop yeah. with the world of the tablet, and ultimately that that failed. I mean, you yeah. don't, there are no Windows phones or Windows you know tablets uh, today. Yeah. You you do have a level of obviously that 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 touch element, but well, really not with a, a full touch oriented uh, operating system. Well, I'm going to put something else into the mix here, which I think a lot of people listening are not going to like. And, and, and you know, you know. Please, you know, get in touch if you don't if you don't like what I'm about to say. But I, my, my my feeling is is that Microsoft is making so much money from the enterprise, so much money from Azure, that that's that what's going on with Windows and Intel and so on. It's not their main game. It's an important game. It's it's and and it's the it's what delivers customers from that world into their enterprise world and their cloud world and so on. But it's no longer the main thrust of the businesses. The business doesn't hinge on what happens. And if, if, and it's a huge if, if Windows 
starts to decline. It's not, it's not the end of Microsoft. It's far from the end of Microsoft. It actually means like, it could even mean they could shuck off some of their um, legacy products and, and services and just focus on the stuff which makes them far more money and is, you know, and, and is their future. So, the, the, so Microsoft's problem is, is bigger than someone else going to ARM chips. It's actually, you know, what are we today? Are we, is this our business? And you can see a little bit of this with their strategy with Surface. You know, what, what, what is Surface? What is, it, what is it really there for? I mean, when it first came along, we talked about it being like to showcase the capabilities of what you could do with Windows if only you had the imagination to come up with better hardware. And it was like the idea was to lift the game of the hardware um, makers. And it's done that. I mean, because the, at that time, really, if you wanted a, a nice laptop, it was going to have an Apple logo on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And there, there weren't nice devices. Now, they invented the new category when when the Surface came out, the, you know, the, the two-in-one type format, you, you know, the iPad Pro that you yeah. have there, um, you know, you you also, uh, you yeah. know, that's one of the accessories, right, as it turns it into something of a, of oh, a Surface yeah. device. Everyone in the industry has has followed in those, uh, I, those I footsteps. Had a, I had a Surface for a while, and it, and, and it was it was great. It was it really was good, but the but the Surface never really captured the the market share. I mean, it's it's if you look at the top five PC vendors, Microsoft doesn't appear on that list, and um, you go down to number five, and I mean. Hewlett Packard has a huge market share, so you get below the top five, and you're talking, you know, one or two um, percent share market share. So it's it's never really captured the public's imagination in that sense. I mean, you know, it's beautiful kit, and and I would happily work with um, Surface, and I see you are there. You know, it, 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 it's fine, uh, but it's just that I just I just get the feeling that Microsoft has. It's kind of moved on, and it's you know, and that there's this other business that it has, which is really happening, and it's, mm, it's mm. and it's taken off hugely in the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot there's a lot of time and and energy and investment that goes into Surface from a Microsoft perspective, but like like Windows, it's one part of a very of a very big business. It is a multi billion dollar you know billion dollar business, and I think their their numbers have have risen during the sort of COVID uh, period as well. I, I can't remember where it lands in, in New Zealand dollars, but uh, I think you know well well over five you know billion dollars a, a year, possibly now past uh, past oh. 10, 10 billion. So it's it's not a it's not a tiny business, their Surface business, no. but, but some aspects of it you know probably are. You look at the Surface Duo. You know, I don't think that's that that in itself will uh, will will any time soon be uh, no, a, a billion dollar business. It it, it, yeah, you're right. It's not it's not a small, but, it is, but it's tiny in comparison with the overall PC market. Um, they're, a tr- the, they're a trillion dollar business now t- too, aren't they? Microsoft. Yeah. So, you know, they're they're so big, and there aren't there. We we were chatting before we started around. Um, you know, we've seen kind of a a, a lift in. That surfaces help bring about is that lift in Windows-based laptops. Now, you know, they're, yeah. they're pr- probably the average selling price is, is higher. Yeah. We've got we've yeah. got a better quality of uh, of device. The the device, the, you know, the laptops from from most vendors now are 
you know, they very much rival uh, the Apple product, but often with, you know, touch added and yeah. and, and, I mean, and other things that are quite beneficial. HPs and the Dells, for example, and you, I mean, I'm not talking about the sort of the low end, you know, the Chromebook yeah. end. Yeah, there, the there's always going to be the sub thousand yeah. dollar uh, laptops, but more at the business yeah, end of the market. Get to the business right? end, yeah. and they're building, and they're now building. They're, you know, you have nowadays building a beautiful. You have to build beautiful laptops to be in that game. You have to, you know, they have to be. They're almost. I mean, if you were, if we was, if I was still writing reviews, it would be getting a bit boring because they'd all get five stars. You know, none of them. Are, <laughs> it's it's pretty hard to find a, a rubbishy business laptop these days, or at least for one of the, from from the big brands. So that that's really works. But there's but. My, my thought about this is, is, and this is, comes from having been in this industry forever, right, is, I mean, I was at the launch of the IBM PC, and I was at the death of the IBM yeah. PC when it, became, you know, when, it, when it became Lenovo. Yeah. And um, yeah. IBM shucked off that business because they wanted to move into what they saw as you know that lucrative enterprise space where the margins were higher and yeah. so on. Yeah. And I can just see at one point, Microsoft's going to at least be looking at that. Mm, I mean, mm, I mean mm, I, I, I'd, I'd imagine somewhere in Redmond there is a Excel spreadsheet, and it won't be anyone else's spreadsheet. <laughs> There'll be an Excel spreadsheet which has got a, what if we flogged Windows, you know, um, somewhere sitting in Redmond. There is that plan. Interesting. All right, now on to, uh, on to some other, other, other topics. Now, Disney have made this skinless robot, and the headline from uh, Gizmodo was that it can realistically steer directly into your soul. Now, there's been different headlines from uh, different places, but it... It does look like some sort of something, you know, from from a movie. And well, it's Disney. That's kind of what you expect. But you know, for for those that have tried the these various sort of live chat platforms and and so on, um, and have looked at, at you know the various robots, that that is an area where the um, that sort of visual representation of the eyes never seems to never seems to quite work. I mean, it, it's probably getting better in a visual well, sense, but this thing's freaky. There's a New Zealand company that does that. Soul Machines is here in Auckland. They yeah. they do, but they're, they're something with the steer on those Soul Machines and and the, the and, the, and the other ones. Um, I don't know. It just it leaves it leaves me a little bit. It, it doesn't feel quite so real. Now you're I don't aware know. that you're not talking to a human. Yes. Yeah. Now I don't know whether the Disney product is any better, but boy, that's scary to look at with all the sort of mechanical face and so on. But you you look at you look at the eyes and you think, well, maybe there is somebody behind that thing. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, but if you look anywhere else, it's 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 just scary. So um, <laughs> one worth 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 looking at. Anyway. I was going to say one, one um, of things. I mean, I'm probably. Hel- uh, probably a bit lucky here because I don't think I've got a soul. <laughs> <laughs> Funny guy. <laughs> okay, uh, so on to other topics, but I just wanted to give that a mention because it's, it's you know one of these technology things that uh, uh, that that happens as we as we try and you know, move to a world where technology does does everything uh, for us, and we we try and hand over more to AI and to robots, um, but. Next up, wanted to talk about 
China, um, but drilling in a little bit to Huawei. But you know, we've 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 seen uh, these varying moves from China around you know reducing their reliance on the U.S. and other countries from a technology standpoint and. Look, you look at New Zealand and basically every other country in the world other than China, we have really a complete reliance on, on China yeah, right now. If you, if you want technology, yeah, every country has to, has to be importing it from, uh, from China for the very, very large majority. Now, we know that the, you know, there's a change of foot. Part of this, you know, has been has been led by uh, the, the Trump government, and you know, if I was to pick something something positive um, that's come out of U.S. politics over the last few years, it's this idea that actually we 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 spread that reliance across a few more a few more countries, um, and we could delve into you know those those reasons. But that's that is something that where there's where the, you know yeah. there there is that move to rely and not just technology of course it's clothing production and and yeah. and all sorts of things but the thing is is that is, is in a sense we have a yeah i mean I, I i tend not to like to use this word but we have a global technology ecosystem which relies on a single point of failure which is china yeah right? and yet you That's know where to put it yeah the, the koreans are very good at same things in fact the koreans probably well in advance of what's going on in China, right? The Japanese have always been, well, not always, but as long as we've been around, have been good at these things. Um, apparently, Vietnam's very good at these things. So so we don't have to just rely on China. But China is, you know, is, has become very good at inserting itself into that key point within the supply chain. And I, I, I don't for a minute think that was not deliberate. Um, and it always was, but th- you mentioned also Huawei, and Huawei has Huawei has an Im- hugely important role to play in this because Huawei is China's sort of reaching for greatness in technology, and it's it you know to China Huawei is like a Microsoft or an Apple or a Google. It's it's a champion. It's a it's a prestigious company, and it sort of plays on the world stage. Very much so. And it does things. Yeah, it does amazing things. And you only got to go along to see a Huawei display at one of these big international conferences to realize just how proud everyone is of it and what it has achieved. And it has achieved a huge amount. It's fabulous. Um, a couple of weeks ago, the, 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 the new guys are going to be running the Huawei business, the consumer parts of the business in, out of New Zealand. They can't come to the country yet because there's they're basically because of COVID and, yeah, you know, and yeah, stuff and so on. Yeah. They're overseas. I had a chat with these guys um, through, one, uh, through a Zoom conference the other day. Um, they, during that chat, there was a presentation about what, where Huawei is going. And I was looking at this, right, and they're, they're, they're branching out. So I first came across Huawei a, about seven or eight years ago when I was starting to look at what was going on with telecommunications companies and the infrastructure and routers and you know the kit that goes in to run networks and so on yeah and and of course they you know they were the they were the key player at uh, building two degrees network right so exactly wireless networks they've they've been very very much an an important uh, you know part of our networks here in New Zealand over a a number of years 
years before we knew them as a uh, you know as a as a very capable handset maker. Well, they well they started out making the the branded handsets. So when you've got a telecom, hand, you know, it was, and it was telecom then, or Vodafone handset. Chances are it would have been a Huawei handset that had been rebadged um, in much the same way that other Chinese makers now do that. They they were making uh, OEM. Um, phones and so on, and I, and I actually looked back. I, I reviewed a Huawei handset about eight or nine years ago, you know, um, the first one I saw. But since then, they've grown in scope. And now I was looking at this chart the other day of these uh, the Huawei's plans for New Zealand. In there, I saw um, TVs are coming, right? Um, uh, robotic vacuum cleaners are on their list. You know, so in other words, it's a soup to nuts. Um, so Huawei is going to occupy the same sort of ecological niche, if you like, as Samsung and then some. You know, it's going for that same. You know how Samsung has. You actually start to look around at the Samsung product spectrum, and it's huge. It is. Yeah. And Huawei's doing that. They're, 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 they're basically attempting to fill all those niches. They have this huge advantage because, you know, one in eight people in the world lives in China, <laughs> and so they've got this enormous domestic market, which is which dwarfs everything else. And they've already been selling those products yeah. in, in, in yeah. China anyway. Exactly. They uh, just haven't you know, expanded out, and if they've got a choice of not selling too much else, well, then uh, quite that, often that, that makes some sense. Well, quite often those products aren't all that great when they first go on sale in China. <laughs> yeah, but they but they're using that to iron out their um, deficiencies. Yeah. And then when yeah. it gets when when when, when something hits it's a certain quality level that's good enough for the rest of the world now, and mm. out it goes. Mm. And Huawei's Huawei's that company. I I listen to Huawei a lot. Will tell you that they are not the Chinese government. They don't represent the Chinese government, and I, I think that's true. But you know, Huawei is awfully important to the Chinese government, of in, course, in, yeah. in that sense, yeah. in a strategic yeah. sense. So. I, you know, I don't think you can talk about China and not talk about Huawei in the same voice. Um, there's there's an enormous amount to to admire in both China and in 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 Huawei, but you know, we are a little bit too reliant on them. And one of the reasons. We're relying on the U.S. too, but that's well, that's, a, that's a whole different well, story whole, and, and, well, yeah, and, but you know, and you know, another, you know, like another, a different discussion. I mean, I know to, we're, we're sitting here today. It's the election in America tomorrow, and I noticed that they're boarding up all the main cities in case there's violence. Well, just imagine if those um, if those uh, supply chains are cut off, you know. And Apple's got a launch scheduled for next week in um, in Los Angeles, I think it is, or some some Cupertino. Well, just imagine that if California's in flames next week. You know that might not happen, and suddenly those iPhones and HP laptops and so on won't be winging their way to to people in New Zealand because America is is supply chain is screwed. It could happen, and we're in, we're we're very vulnerable to. You know we've got two two technology supply chains so yeah. which are quite yeah. vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely um, look forward to seeing how that maybe gets a bit more. Well, will get a bit more spread over the God, so. over the <laughs> over the over the years to come. Um, but they they are superpowers and yeah. and and that that that's that's part of the reality. Now the bit of news that sort of, I guess triggered this discussion was that it's it's been rumoured for uh, a little while, but there's been more more coverage on it. 
just in the in, in the last few days, is that Huawei, who have been designing their own chips and and very, you know very capable chips yeah. in their in their phones now for you know, quite a number of years, are now looking at their challenges because uh, with the US locking them out. No one can make chips for them outside of China. They've had a foundry in, in, in China that can make them, but very limited capacity. So the word is that they're uh, building their own chip manufacturing or fabrication uh, plant. It's going to start with uh, low-end 45 nanometer chips. Now, that's many, many generations behind yeah. where you'd need to be but, to make chips for the latest nanometer, smartphones. Well, 45 nanometers is fine for the telecommunications gear, the switching gear and so on. So it's, there would there be some gear it would be fine for TVs and yeah. you know other other bits and pieces. But of course, this is a company with very, very capable you know people. Yeah. Very, it's had very deep pockets from a research and development perspective. Uh, we know Intel have got themselves stuck a you know a couple of generations behind what the rest of the industry has got to in terms of uh, you know the the uh, chip manufacturing uh, now and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know Huawei are able to actually move along reasonably quickly well, and, and, and get themselves uh, you know into a, a somewhat competitive position over you know two three well, five years I, I, yeah I think you're right I think there's a couple of things Huawei can't buy Intel right they can't buy Intel IP. What they can buy is Intel professionals, right? And I would imagine there's a huge number of Chinese nationals who are um, Intel employees, so they so that they can do they can do that. And that, there actually has been a call from the Chinese government for Chinese expats to go home to help build their economy. So that, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. And I should imagine that if it gets if life gets much hotter for Chinese people living in the U.S., then they, they probably will choose to go home. And, mm, and, yeah, know, it's interesting, so isn't it? So there's a possible so there's the expertise is there. Um, but you're quite right. I mean, they're they're probably about five generations behind if they're on 45 millimeter Sorry, nanometer. Nanometer. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, or more. Now, looking uh, looking back into a couple of other things that I, I thought would be good to, uh, to 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 cover off today, uh, we're running out of time, but wanted to delve into hyperfiber, uh, which I did just realised. I thought this was a chorus initiative, but then I, I, I realised this is actually uh, because it was chorus that put on the initial um, event and and. And, and briefing, as I recall it, certainly there were chorus chorus people there, but maybe there were others. Um, but I realised actually the the hyperfiber uh, brand um, stretches across chorus, enable, and ultrafast uh, fiber, as I noticed on their uh, hyperfiber website today, which was 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 news to me. That's news to me. Oh well, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm glad because I was about to title the topic chorus hyperfiber, and uh, as I I was looking around. I, f- I found this uh, hyperfiber.co.nz website. So That's the pleasing true. thing I, is, wherever you are in the country, other than Fongaray, because uh, they don't they don't North seem Power. to have, with yeah. North Power have have bought into it. Um, but now, for those that are in one of those original ultra fast broadband 
era is what we now refer to as a UFB1, yeah. uh, which accounts for about 75% of the population. We're, we're reached with that. Um, the 2 gigabit and 4 gigabit per second uh, fibre is available. So yeah. if you're finding gigabit fibre is not good enough, then you've got the synchronous uh, fibre. So therefore, you know, up to 4 gigabits up and 4 gigabits down available. Now, it does create a whole lot of challenges from a firewall perspective and other things in, in businesses because getting a, a you know a decent firewall that actually that yeah, can that can perform sure at that sort of level well. yeah. um, is is yeah. pricey, but uh, but it's it's available now. Um, interestingly, only four. Uh, four internet service providers were listed on the website so far Lightwire, My Republic, Orcon uh, and a smaller one called uh, Bright the prices are starting around 150 and 180 dollars uh, a month for Which those two, bad, two so. and four gigabit per second uh, plans. So yeah, really, really impressive. Impressive. Great, great to see that, and I'm sure we'll see uh, the others uh, jump on board. Of course, Orcon uh, is is one of the companies uh, from. Um, our partners, Focus. so uh, so they're 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 part of uh, Vocus, and um, of course we 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 have um, Vodafone and Spark supporting the show too, and I'm sure that uh, in due course we we will be seeing well, you know plans uh, from them as well. But th- this is typical, even when ultra fast broadband came out for yeah. for the those bigger uh, brands to be able to you know fully support it and put it into the market. There was a fair bit of work well, for them to do behind the scenes. I mean, the first thing, the first thing. I want to say here, right, is, isn't the name Hyperfiber clever? Because when pe- when the fiber companies started selling gigabit plans, they were calling it gigabit fiber. Yeah. And the Commerce Commission stopped that because although the, you, although you get a gigabit, yes, you know, 50 megs is taken for management and so on. So you only actually yeah. see 950 or whatever. Yeah. So so by calling it Hyperfiber, you know, no one can say, well, that's actually, you know, two gigs. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't specify. So that's clever, right? The uh, the, the reason why, um, well, the, the first thing is, is that there's not going to be a huge number of people wanting this. I mean, if you're in video production or um, you know doing music production, you're sending videos back to say from you know, from Wellywood to Hollywood or something, then you yep. want this. Yep. If you're um, otherwise, you know, a gig is going to be enough for, for just about, you know, 95% of applications. But the um, um, but those people who do need it really need it, and it's 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 going to fly. And there's going to be a few people that are just going to want it anyway because mm. it's you know because it's super fast. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. The problem, the problem that you face if you're a a Spark or a Vodafone, um, or even perhaps a um, you know a Cool Plus or a business, you have a business oriented um, approach, is that um, businesses might want to buy one hyperfiber line where they would have had you know multiple other lines so um, you know there's there's going to be those kinds of issues and, and how it's used and also providing the, the, the level of support for those businesses is going to be hard um, you do need very good backhaul to be able to get that speed um, although that that has improved you know a lot in recent years you know in part to cope with streaming the rugby world cup yeah uh, and in part, and part as we, we've moved been, to working from also, home it's also one of the reasons why it's taken them so long to get hyperfiber out because yeah. that's yeah. got to be put in yeah. place yeah um the you know 
I, I would imagine anyone anyone who's listening to the New Zealand tech podcast in Australia will be spitting tax, you know, hearing this. <laughs> um, it's but, always the discussion, isn't it? They're they're in a, in a completely different level in terms yeah. of uh, internet performance across across Australia. Yeah. And here we are with with plans that are so fast and actually cheap. But it'll it'll take quite some time before we really see um, uptake. And and how good is it to have that extra headroom available? Because well, of course we will we will need it at some point in the future. But, the, uh, theoretically, they can get a line up to about ten. But the, the, apparently, the overhead on ten is bigger than the overhead. You know, as you get high, as you go up higher, the overhead is higher. Apparently. Well, they're saying that yeah, the eight they they will have an eight gigabits yeah. per second offering. Yeah. Uh, at, at some stage, they've, they've chosen not to go with that right now. All right, now, um, finally, before we wrap up, I did think the timing is such that we need to have some discussion around what's happening in the world of gaming. Play, PlayStation uh, 5, you know, this is, this is uh, you know, a, a, big, a big step, and uh, Xbox Series X, and there's the Xbox Series S as well, and there's two variants of the, uh, the PlayStation, but it's all you know, landing on our shores uh, virtually now over the next few days. I think, we, we I think will start, start seeing the, the next, the, the, this, sometime the, later this the, week, the, I think, the first PlayStation, yeah. Devices landing. If you haven't pre-ordered, then you're basically out of out of luck on on this stuff because uh, there there isn't enough product yeah. to go around as as is yeah, reasonably normal for these types of launches. But it, it, it seems yeah, probably more more constrained. Than, than usual, I think. Uh, all the indications are that uh, PlayStation will will again, you know, continue building on the success of the PlayStation 4, and the PlayStation 5 is going to etch out the um, the, the bigger uh, yeah. share. I, well, I had, a, I had a play on a PlayStation 5 last week. Yeah, how did you how did you enjoy? Well, it? I was well, you know, I was actually slightly embarrassed at my ability to play the game because. <laughs> um, I, I haven't played I haven't played computer games in donkey's years, and um, I was so out of practice that um, I couldn't get to the to the late stages of the demo game. And I think the demo game was you know like deliberately doable, but not for me. Um, but I, the, the most remarkable thing about it, well, I mean, obviously the graphics are superb and, and are stunning, sounds excellent, but that's very dependent on the hardware that you're using. You know, you've got to have a, you've got to have a good screen. You've got to have good speakers and so on. Yeah, you've got these you know, but, higher refresh rates. You know, yeah. full full 4K uh, ah. video. I mean, I haven't seen much about 8K, but I do do remember reading earlier on that technically they are able to deliver 8K on these consoles. But you, most gamers are going to be looking at at 4K because that's where you get yeah. the quality and the refresh rates but, and so on. The thing that really got me was the haptic touch on the controller. Yeah, you right. were talking about that before we and started, I, and, and how I, much it impressed you. I, yeah, and I read this. You know, I read this on paper before I went along to the the function. I thought, mm, mm. yeah, yeah, okay, you know, it, it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I got there, and I thought, wow, this is actually pretty damn good. And um, it's it's quite another experience, you know, to judder along. And have your hands juddering along, um, and the the controller has um, it's, it's it's like 
it looks similar to the, the PlayStation controllers that you, you know and seen mm. before. Mm-hmm. But on the front of it, there's an area which is like a, a touchpad. Yeah, yeah. And that's a haptic touchpad. And you can use that to sort of mouse around the screen and so on mm-hmm. you know, some of the time in, in, in certain apps. But the, the really interesting thing about it is supposing you're going across a gravel road, you, the, the haptic touch will feel... Well, I don't know that it feels like gravel, but it doesn't feel like <laughs> a smooth haptic touch. You know, it's wow, um, and you uh, and you can feel ridges on that on that um, the haptic touch thing. Mm-hmm. So so, um, and yeah, it's sort of. Uh, you know, I read about it. I thought it's not going to be that great. I, I, I got it, and I thought this is actually far better than, you know, far more interesting than mm. I thought it would be. Wow. But I, I wonder if, you know, perhaps after the first day or two with the machine, you might think, well, okay, you know, yeah, big deal. Shrug. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it was it was brilliant at first, and yeah. you and you wouldn't want to go back. Mm, mm. But it's maybe it's maybe it's not a, a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> good one, Bill. <laughs> oh well, very very good. Well, I mean, the the proof will be getting hands on with these things, and um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to trying them out and. We, we are in this different world now, now of course, where PCs are iterating all the time. Yeah. The consoles don't iterate as much. Uh, in terms of value for money, these consoles look, you know, versus what you can buy in terms of PC gaming, very good bang for buck. But getting it's, a very but it's powerful range machine. Of model. You know, because particularly... Well, these are sort of loss... They're loss-making devices, aren't they, for for Microsoft and for Sony. They lose money. They give you some incredible hardware at a good price. It's no surprise that they're selling, like, absolute hotcakes. the games are... Uh, a lot, and um, and the other thing but is, but as they are for you know for PC gamers, so it's well, you know, but yeah. it, but you but, you will end up with a with a device if you're a PC gamer now. Uh, of course, you can upgrade to the latest and greatest on you know on the on the PC well, side and well, keep that's, upgrading. That's the weird thing about that's the weird thing about the two the two companies is that PlayStation is PlayStation all the way, Sony all the way, whereas Microsoft's having a bit of a two way bet with PC gaming and with. Xbox. The other thing about the Xbox S that the um, um, which S. which I called Xbox Lite and got told off <laughs> by someone from Microsoft for calling Xbox Lite. Well, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you would, Bill. You've got to follow the correct uh, brand. Yeah, well, I call it I call it what I like. <laughs> you can. Yeah, but anyway, um, um, I understand that that's going to be sold like a gaming as a service. It's, yeah, well, actually, yeah. you can go. I was looking on uh, Spark's uh, website. Uh, uh, and you can buy the, uh, I think, the Xbox uh, Series X and the Series S on basically on a plan. So yeah. you, you just put it on your, it'll go on your yeah. uh, on your phone account, and you'll get billed monthly. It includes their, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the um, the Xbox oh. uh, gaming part, the Xbox uh, gaming pass, yeah, uh, game pass, and and so I think they get you get the uh, probably Game Pass Ultimate if I've if I've got it um, right um, bundled in and basically you're paying that monthly uh, fee yep. for access to games and ex- and the full Xbox Live yep. uh, membership and your device 
and you can pay that over. You've got you know 24 months of all of those things built into the price, and then the end of it, of course, you you know you completely own the uh, the Xbox, and you just have to pay for your ongoing uh, you know gaming passes and so on. And I can see how that's that's quite tempting. There's z- yeah. zilch of of interest. So you're not paying any more. Um, it's actually it's actually the best value way to pay for it. But you yeah you've obviously got that that commitment. Whereas if you were to buy the console and then you change your your mind, of course, then you could you know you could yeah. stop your Game Pass. Well, uh, but you know overall it's 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 a it's a good arrangement, and I don't think it's just just Spark. Um, but I mentioned them because I um, yeah, saw it on their website well, and I was I was tempted. My only my only real comment on it is is that they the timing would have been so much better if they could have got this out before everyone went into lockdown. Yes. <laughs> because, because it might not have been good for productivity, though, Bill. No, but I do. Th- I, I think that we're probably, maybe, maybe in New Zealand, maybe not in New Zealand, but in parts of the world, we're going to see lockdowns for some time to come. And I think that gaming is going to go through a bit of a golden age. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of is a golden age of gaming anyway at the moment, but I think it's I think it's coming to the fore in a way that um, it possibly hasn't in the past. That people, you know, it will be a much bigger source of entertainment. And and one of the queer, queer things about gaming that has always struck me as a bit odd is, is, I mean, I've never really quite understood the business of going to watch esports in a in a in a venue in a in, a, in an auditorium. Probably my age that I, I don't really get that. But the thing is, is I always thought of electronic gaming as as something you participate in rather than you know watch. Um, but that whole esport thing is going to come back a bit now because you because people are not going to go to stadiums. Yeah, know, for, yeah. I mean, maybe we will here in New Zealand, but you know, and other, the rest of the world, people are not going to. Yeah, go well, to, we certainly are here, aren't we? No, Blacks games and the like, which yeah. is is fantastic. But 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 what it means is what it means is is that gaming's going to you know become a participatory thing again. Uh, and it's going to enjoy a, uh, I think it's probably going to enjoy a renaissance in the next two or three years. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. And of course, Microsoft went, went through and, uh, you know, acquired a gaming company just in the last couple of months, seven and a half billion, I think, US dollars, so north of 10 billion New almost, Zealand. Yeah, almost just real for money. A, just yeah. for a small acquisition. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you look at that and, and look at, line that up against the biggest companies in the, in the New Zealand stock exchange and but, you realise this is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a reasonably big, big deal in the, in but the scheme of it. But Microsoft is worth a trillion dollars. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, that brings us to the end. We're, we're out of time to talk uh, Apple Watch uh, Series Six, so that'll come in another episode. And at some stage, we'll dive in a little bit deeper on my experiences with the Surface uh, Duo as well. It has has been interesting and, and enlightening. There are uh, yeah a few things that have surprised me over over the last few weeks with uh, with using the Surface uh, Duo. So, but that will that will come maybe um, yeah in the next in the next week week or two so yeah that's us well um i must give a huge uh thank you and a shout out to our show partners who make the new zealand tech podcast uh, possible and we love them for a, cu- a couple of reasons one supporting and funding the show so uh, thank you to sumo logic vodafone spark vocus hp samsung gorilla technology and umbrella connect um and we also appreciate them for their support of the tech and innovation uh, ecosystems here in 
New Zealand. Um, and lastly, because they're um, they're so good at supporting the show, but they're willing to accept that they have zero editorial control. So um, so yeah, we, we, like. we yeah. always say what we like, don't we, Bill? Yeah. We, uh, yeah. We're pretty sure straight shooters on that front. Uh, and, and, I, and I think we generally find most of our guests are that way. So, um, yeah, thanks, everyone. Appreciate you uh, joining us on this episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast, and we'll catch you again on the next one. Um, oh, Bill, lastly, billbennett.co.nz. That's where that's people right, need to yeah. check out your site. Yes. Excellent, yeah. excellent. All right, that's it. Thanks, everyone. See ya. New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community. Proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.